koinonia, a place of encounter with the Holy Spirit and transformation by the principles of God's kingdom. Let us lift our hands and bless the name of the Lord tonight. Lord, we bless you. We bless you. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our We bless you, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. There are three that bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood. We thank you for the ministry of the three witnesses. <laughs> La cosa in recosa, zika po, shantekete, altra cosa che tanto siano le la altra cosa secete, shantekete, 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 Who can stand against the Lord? No one can. No one will. Who can stand against the Lord? No one can. No one will. to enforce the victory that you obtained for us. 
Wherefore God has highly exalted him and has given him a name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus every knee bows, every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. It is because you won that we are here tonight. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Hallelujah. Good evening, everyone. Um, such a privilege to stand here tonight again to represent our father to bring the word apostle is not in town he's been on a very long trip from abuja to abiokuta he'll be back to abuja again and then back to abiokuta then lagos in a very long trip and we are grateful for the things that god has used him to do in our lives and he's still doing in our lives Apostle has said again and again that a good leader does not maintain followers. A good leader turns followers into leaders and then leaders into agents of change. It is a big risk to commit the heart of this multitude to one who is still in the school and is still being trained. But it's a privilege for which we are grateful for. In one minute, can we just put our hands together and celebrate Apostle? Praise God. Happy celebrate Pastor Jimmy. Amen. Help me celebrate all the heads of department in this house. Great men and women of God celebrate you. Hallelujah. You can help me make welcome your neighbor as you take your seat briefly. Hallelujah. Tonight is a prayer meeting, so we'll take our time to pray. Amen. Especially that um, we'll be taking a very short break after tonight's service. It will come up in the announcement. As we all know, the elections start on the 16th of February, and usually movements are restricted during elections. And especially because of those who will travel from outside of Zaria, we don't want a situation whereby their movements will experience a level of difficulty. So, but next week, Friday, Koinonia will not be holding. Amen. But we'll not be holding gathering here. But I think there's a system that our online channels will be very active. There will be messages to listen to. I'm sure it will come up properly 
when the announcement is brought. So I just thought to chip this in so that we can prepare our hearts. We still have service, but it will be online. Every one of us will be online community on Friday. Hallelujah. Amen. Tonight, I'll be teaching on victory over the grave. Amen. Victory over the grave. This is our year of extraordinary fruitfulness and we started on the 18th with our father giving us an understanding, giving us a direction, a bearing. Yes, the prophetic word was sent to us, we received it, we prayed, but it was necessary that the one who received the word gives us an explanation so that we can have a direction. The Bible says that write the vision, make it plain upon tablets that the herald might run. That the vision can be so plain that without asking you question, the herald can see it and run with it. And our father, as he always does, took out time to explain to us what God meant by extraordinary fruitfulness. It was a very explosive time of exposition on the 18th and then the miracle service and last week he began by teaching us I don't call it a topic it was a command it was a prophetic utterance be fruitful he came to bless us last week um, prophesying over us remember that they builded and finished the work by the prophesying of Haggai the prophet, and Zechariah, the son of Edo. So our father was here last week and did prophesy upon us that we should be fruitful. I'll just do a quick recap because I'll be taking my bearing from there. And um, he told us that the, first, the very first word that God spoke to man after creation was be fruitful. Genesis 1 and verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image, in the after our likeness, let them have dominion over the different spheres. And then in verse 27, God made man in his image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And in verse 28, and God blessed them. And God said, and God blessed them saying, be fruitful, multiply. Our father told us that God routed the blessing through words, but the blessing itself is not words. And our Father has explained over time the power of words, that words are like trees. They are the bearers of the things that we need, but they are contained in words. You don't choose what you want and leave the word. It is in your receiving the word that the things that are contained in the word are given to us. And then... He taught us on Friday again, I'm just going over what we learned, that the Father is glorified when we are fruitful. John chapter 15 and verse 8, hearing is the Father glorified that you bear much fruit and that your fruit may abide. He said, then will you demonstrate and prove that I am the one who mentored you. Because my life is not barren if you follow me. Remember the scripture that Pastor Jimmy usually shares in the book of Luke chapter 6. He said, a servant 
is not greater than his master. He said, but when the servant, the disciple is perfect, the hallmark of the perfection of the disciple is that he becomes like the master. So if I follow a master and my life is barren of fruit, then questions should be asked as to the fruitfulness of that master. Is either the master himself is not fruitful or there is something wrong with my followership. Because everyone that follows should be made. Hallelujah. He said, herein is the Father glorified. And when you look at Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, I looked at it in the Amplified and it was, I don't know if we can have it in the Amplified, Colossians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10, one of our, the anchor scriptures for the prophetic word. Okay? Thank you, Jesus. Okay. For this reason, we also, that's talking about himself, he was writing to the Colossian church now, we also, from the day we heard of it, we heard of your receiving the life that is in Jesus, right? From the day we heard of it, have not ceased to pray and make special requests for you. Because we know that if all you have is the salvation experience, you're going to be frustrated. Your salvation is a means to an end. It was a role God played to introduce you into a possibility that will also give him something in return. He said, we did not cease to make to pray and make special requests for you. And what is our request? Asking that you may be filled with the full knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, in comprehensive insight into the ways and the purposes of God and in understanding and discernment of spiritual things. Why am I praying for all of this to happen in your life? Verse 10. Verse 10. That when these things are in your life, that you may walk, live, and conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the Lord. That means that the Lord has saved you does not mean you have come to the point where you are worthy of him. You are his children, no doubt. But he said that there are certain things that should happen in your life that will bring you to a point that you are now worthy of the Lord. And at what point are you worthy? Fully pleasing to him and desiring to please him in all things. How? Bearing fruit in every good work. So that means that I'm born again does not necessarily mean that I am bringing pleasure to the Father. Your salvation is only useful to you, but your fruitfulness is your giving back to God the life that he has given to you. And then, he taught us this. Amen. So it is the will of God that we bear fruit because your fruitfulness is a testament to the faithfulness of God. God is not a man. He cannot be seen. So the only way Remember the law of reflection. If God is who he says he is, then his image that we can see should demonstrate his possibilities. He said, tarry ye in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father is fulfilled. Acts chapter 1 and then in verse 8. He said, and ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Witness is not a man that carries tracts and goes from house to house. You shall be validators of my claims. You shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. I've done my part. Everything I claim is true. 
but I am depending on you that your fruitfulness, not just your words, your fruitfulness. The Bible says that when the early apostles, the apostles of the Lamb, after they raised the man that was lame at the beautiful gate, and then the leaders, the Jewish leaders were fighting them, they came to their meeting, and then they said that a notable sign has been done by them cannot be denied by us. We don't like these people, we are persecuting them. But there is no grammar we can speak that will invalidate. We can claim they are unlearned, but their results are obvious. Amen. Said, and the glorified God in me. God wants men to glorify him, but he wants to route it through us. This is the hallmark of 2019. I believe that by the time 2019 ends, Every one of us will look back and have great testimonies of extraordinary fruitfulness. And then our father taught us on Friday again that the starting point of your fruitfulness is the arrival of the word. The starting point. He illustrated, um, explained the parable of the sower as rendered by Luke and then talking about the different souls. And one striking thing from that parable is that the health of your mind is very important. Because all the soils, the same sower, the same seed, but the results were different because of the heart condition that received the, soil, the seed. And then he said the heart, the health of your heart is also a force. Remember um, Ephesians 3 and verse 20, that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can either ask or think. And then our Father has been drumming it in our ears that even our thought is a prayer point. As your mouth is praying, your mind is also praying. And that your mouth can be asking for something and your mind can be telling God not to do it. Remember he said, these people worship me with their lips but their heart is far away. So God is saying, I'm hearing what they are saying but their mind is saying a different thing. And our mind can be a limitation. And God helped us to look at this last week. He taught us on the, the virtue of patience. How that, that sower must be respected for his patience. Because he would have given up from the first time. When he planted by the wayside. And then it was picked up by the birds. The sower demonstrated resilience. Never giving up. That staying grace. And then we did pray last week. Now... It is our year of fruitfulness. When you look at the book of Zechariah chapter 1 and verse 17, we saw something that did not just happen in the days of Zechariah, but is something that happens every time the prophetic word goes forth. The Bible says that, Cry yet saying, My cities through prosperity shall be spread abroad. Isn't it? And the Lord shall yet comfort Zion, my cities. It was an announcement of what God is about to do. God is saying that you have done many things, but I'm about to introduce you to a face of another dimension of my expanding my kingdom. And he said, I am going to use the tool of prosperity, which put in another way the tool of extraordinary fruitfulness. To prosper means to do well, right? To be fruitful means you are doing well. So we can say that my cities through extraordinary fruitfulness shall be spread abroad. It was the Lord that announced to the prophet that this is what I'm about to do. But immediately you go to the next verse without invitation because anytime 
time the word of God goes forth, number one, the power of God follows his word. And then Pastor Jimmy taught us in this place that you also attract Satan and hell. Ah. So immediately that announcement was made. The prophet said, then I lifted up my eyes and saw, behold, four carpenters. What did God say? What did we hear that God just said? That through prosperity you'll be spread abroad. And the Bible says the four horns arose. And it's like swearing a covenant, swearing to an oath to ensure that that fruitfulness does not happen. Said, I lifted up my eyes and I saw, behold, four horns. Four horns. The four horns are still rising. It is the same four horns that John saw and he recognized them as four horsemen in the book of Revelation. Hallelujah. Every time the word comes, the horns arise. And then thank God, the next verse, still introducing something. And I said unto the angel that talked with me, what are these? He said, these are the horns that scatter Judah. These are the horns that prevent the fruitfulness of people. These are the horns that challenge the prophetic word. These are the words that make the word of God look as if it's powerless. These are the, word, the horns that bring men to a point that although a powerful prophetic word comes, they are saying amen just for the purpose of saying amen. But the reality of it is they really don't believe whether that word will be performed. They can believe it for Pastor Jimmy. They can believe it for their neighbor. But for them, they have come to a point where they have concluded that if God likes, let him do it. Because I have done everything I understand to be faith. But every time this word comes, they come to make the word of God of non-effect. And then he said, the Lord did not leave me hopeless. And the Lord said, Lift up your eyes. I want to show you another thing. You have seen the horns, but there are other entities called the carpenters. Other entities called the carpenters. And then he said, these carpenters have come to terrify the horns and to pluck them out to ensure that the prophetic word becomes flesh in your life. Hallelujah. So we'll be looking at one of the mysteries our victory over one of these horns. Over one of these horns tonight. I've realized in life that whatever remains a mystery to you will bring you fear. Fear does not just happen. Fear is just a reflection of the fact that you have tried to understand what is happening. And because there are too many gaps that you cannot explain, you are afraid. Because the absence of revelation makes the future unpredictable. You are walking in the night and the darkness is so thick. You cannot see where you are going to. Although there is no ditch in front of you, you can imagine that there is a ditch. You are afraid of falling down, even though there is nothing that can obstruct you. The absence of illumination is the reason for fear. Any and everything you don't understand will make you afraid. And the unfortunate thing is that fear has torment. That's what scripture tells us. First John chapter 4. Say fear has torment. Fear brings you pain. Fear, if fear was neutral, we would have just left it aside. Every time there is fear, there is torment. 
You can't plan for the future. You can't make because you have you heard people say that we don't know what tomorrow holds. I know what tomorrow holds. It's not a boastful statement, it's the truth. One of the humble prayers my mother used to pray, every time she wants to talk about what she wants to do tomorrow, she will say, um, how does she put it? There's a way she puts it, this kind of humility, we're not sure whether I'll get it tomorrow. The truth of the matter is, the Bible didn't, if this is how we should live, that's a very, a very miserable life. I know what tomorrow holds. And I'm not saying this by bold face. If you don't know what tomorrow holds, you'll be afraid of tomorrow. Everything you don't understand will bring you fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. He said, God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. Of love, of power, and of a sound mind. That means that the state of your mind is a major determinant of whether you'll be afraid or not. It's not so much about, I, I fear, fear not, fear not, fear not. The subject of fear is so serious that theologians tell us that there are 365 mention of either fear not or do not be afraid. One for each day. That's how serious it is. And against only fear, three weapons were given. Love, power, and of a sound mind. So that means I can have love and power if my mind is not sound enough, I will still be afraid. Many a times, the fears we have is not necessarily because of how mighty the object of our fear is. Our fear is a direct reflection of how bankrupt we are with respect to knowledge. I'm building on what we were taught last week. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 15, the Bible told us of a very interesting set of people. The Bible said that these people all their lifetime, not for one month, imagine what it means, a lifetime. The Bible says that, that he might deliver them who through fear of death have all their lifetime be subject to bondage. What a life. The Bible didn't say that because of death they were in bondage. It was the fear of death. So the horror of death was not as powerful as the fear of it. All their lives. You see people traveling and as they are entering the car, cover myself the blood of Jesus. Cover myself the blood of Jesus. It looks like faith but it's a demonstration of fear. Demonstration of fear. I don't remember the last time I enter a car and I'm praying. Why should I? What happened to my prayer life? If I am praying because there is an emergency, there is trouble. Something is already wrong. I remember saying years ago, you know when you watch Nigerian home videos and then a man rushes his wife to the hospital and they take the woman to the is it maternity, whatever, delivery, whatever they call it. And the moment the woman enters, you see the man panting, praying. I say, me? This is not me. The day my wife will deliver, I'll take her to the hospital, sit down, relax, and then they bring my baby, and I'll... Why should I? Which soldier prepares for war on the day of battle? If you are learning how to shoot on the day of battle, you have already lost... 
Imagine a pilot learning how to fly plane in the air. Will you enter? All their lives subject to bondage. All. Please look at this scripture for a while and deliver them. Can you give us in the Amplified? I think it's the Amplified or NIV or so. And also that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. What a situation. So if they lived for 70 years, they lived for 70 years in bondage, not because of how powerful death is, but because of the fear of death. Why is fear so mysterious? Because as long as death remains a mystery, you should be afraid of it. You don't say, I'm not afraid of death by bold face. It is by knowledge. He said, through knowledge, Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 9, the B part. He said, it is through knowledge that the just shall be delivered. Not bold face. So there is something you can know. You've heard Apostle tell us in this place that he waved poverty bye-bye. And poverty waved him back. Can you say that? Amen. He waved poverty bye-bye. And poverty waved him bye-bye. It's not just prayer point and saying, I wave poverty bye-bye. I wave. No. There is something that happened that demystified poverty. And he looked at poverty and said, so you are not even this serious as we thought. And because of that knowledge alone, Poverty itself will go away because anybody that is trying to do both face, the moment somebody who knows that person is around, they run away, isn't it? Just imagine somebody just comes and he says, my father is the governor of Kaduna State and then somebody that lives in his neighborhood just comes and says, ah, Joe, how far now? The first thing is he'll be doing, I don't fall my hand, don't fall my hand. But if that guy refuses to listen, he's going to run away because his secret these demons are not as powerful as they present themselves. Hallelujah. So we'll talk about our victory over the grave tonight. Revelations chapter 5. Revelations chapter 5 and verse 1. Are we there? And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside. But unfortunately, it was sealed with seven seals. You remember Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 11. It said, The vision of all has become like unto a book which is sealed. Which one delivers unto another who is learned and said, please read. And he said, I cannot read. Not because I am not intelligent. He said, for it is sealed. And then they carried it and said, maybe it's much learning that has made you unable to read spiritual things. They gave it to one who is not learned. He said, in the first place, I am not even learned. So you can see that predicament being reflected here. He said, it had it was written within and outside, but 
it was sealed, not with one seal. It was sealed with seven seals. Verse 2. And I saw a strong angel. Notice the words. I saw not just an angel, a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seals thereof and to uncover the seals because beneath the seals are certain mysteries that have the capability of bringing a level of victory, fruitfulness to the people of God. He said, who is worthy to open the book and to lose the seal thereof? Verse 4. Here, this is John, the beloved disciple. Let me tell you a little about John before we read this verse. Remember that Jesus had the multitude and then he had 70. Then he had 12. Then he had 3. And there was one who was close to him. So much that the night before he was crucified, Peter the orator among the apostles could not ask Jesus. He said, Lord, who is it that betray you? And then Peter asked John to ask Jesus. That means that there are certain information that only John is privy to. That means that there are many things the other disciples, if they don't know, they can rely on John to give them that information. But when John says, I don't know, it should give you a reason to cry. And this is John. At this time, the other apostles had been killed. All of them. So there was only one person who walked with Jesus on earth. Who should be our hope to demonstrate and tell us the possibilities that Jesus won for us. But that John was caught up in a vision. And an angel asked the John, you are the closest of the apostles to the Lamb. So you should be able to answer this question. And John said, and I wept, not just weep, I wept much. <laughs> Why? Because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. No man, no man. Because the things written were about man. So it was not God that was supposed to open it and losing it. It, it, the, the need was for a man who can uncover this seal and then bring about an understanding that will enforce the victory of people is that no man verse 5 I was weeping and then one of the elders thank God for elders oh yeah. one of the elders said unto me weep not behold the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book and to lose the seeds thereof. And then verse 6, we read to verse 7. And I beheld and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. You know why he had to appear? Because John walked with a lamb when he was on earth. And he remembered that that lamb, although God was a man, so if it was a man that was needed to open this book suddenly he saw the image he was conversant with and he said now there is hope suddenly the tears in his eyes disappeared he said I saw in the midst of the throne and this lamb had seven horns a sign of authority and then seven eyes a demonstration of the spirit of revelation and these seven eyes their jurisdiction is not in heaven he said they have been sent forth in all the earth, isn't it? 
And he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Why was this book so important? Verse 11. Why was this book so important? We are building so that we can pray. Why was this book so important? The moment that book was taken, suddenly a song broke out in heaven. And this was what the elders and all the inhabitants of heaven were saying. And I beheld and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne. And the beasts and the elders. And the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. Verse 12. Now what were they saying? Saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. Remember the lamb. The one who went to the cross for our sake. Remember that Jesus Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. There was a reason why he died and there were certain things he received. Which John was aware of. John knew that I was a witness to the passion of this lamb. I saw him die. I was at the cross. The other apostles were not there. So I'm aware that the work was completed. I'm aware that the price was paid in full. I'm aware that these things were received by the Lamb and they are supposed to be manifest in the life of the saints. But I am weeping because between the prophetic reality of what the Lamb had done and the experience of it, the gap, I cannot explain. That was why I was weeping. And then he said, to receive power. So power should be ours. To receive riches. To receive wisdom. To receive strength, to receive honor, to receive glory, and then to receive blessing. So these things were the things for which the Lamb died. But as long as the seals were there, it's not a lie that they have been received. But why has it not manifested in our life? Amen. So John was happy because now we can now draw the lines and know how to make these things a reality in our life. Then in chapter 6 of that revelation, from verse 1, the Bible says the lamb began to open the seal. And then from that verse, the Bible shows us there are seven seals, but when the first four seals were opened, we saw that one of the beasts, the living creatures, will always tell John, come and see. And every time, notice that it was a book, right? It was a book that was sealed. So that means when the seal was broken, we should see letters. How did John know that it was written inside and outside? It's not that the book was bound that you can't open it. But when you look at it, you can't see anything. But the moment the lamb opened the book and began to break the seals, one of the living creatures will say, come and see. And instead of seeing letters, he begins to watch video. How do you watch video in a book? Verse 7. I'm talking about the fourth horseman this evening. Verse 7. And when he had opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth beast say, John, come and see. And what did he see? Verse 8. And I looked and behold a pale horse. And his name that sat on him was Death. Capital D. And hell. The word hell. There is the word for the grave. Hades. The grave. Followed with him. And power was given to them. Who gave them the power? 
Was it God? <laughs> the Bible never tells us who gave them the power. But the Bible says power was given to them over the fourth part of the earth. And what is their responsibility? To kill with the sword and with hunger and with death and with the beasts. So there is a person called death, capital D. And this person called death has tools by which he exits men from the realm of time into the underworld. And the Bible says that the tools that he uses, one of them is the sword, violence. The second is hunger, poverty, famine. And the third is what he called death. Another translation uses the word disease or pestilence. And then the last are the beasts of the field. Power was given to them over a fourth part. You will always notice throughout scripture that every time the spirit of death is mentioned, the grave follows behind. Because they are partners. In fact, there are actually three that work together. Satan, death, and hell. Which is the spirit of the grave. This spirit is responsible for the predicament in many lives. Let me give an example of their manifestations. There are some of us in this place that consistently you always have dreams of dead people, sometimes loved ones, and many times when they show up, they don't say anything. They just keep quiet and stand. Some of them even invite you to follow them. There is no fellowship between the living and the dead. So why did they come? Because the same way that it takes a man on the face of the earth to call another person from the realm of the dead back to life is the same way it will take another person in the grave to call somebody from the earth down to the grave. We are demystifying death and the grave tonight. Oh, Isaiah chapter 4, chapter 5, sorry, and verse 14, New Living Translation. Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 14, NLT. The King James will say that the grave has enlarged itself. Look at this. Can we read it together? One to go. <laughs> Do you see that? The grave is licking its mouth. The best demonstration is a dog that is hungry salivating so that means the grave has mouth and it can eat so the grave is not just one six feet whatever that they dig the grave is a person and the grave is hungry ready to invite people licking its mouth in anticipation opening its mouth wide and the grave does not discriminate between the great and the lowly it takes everyone alike Isaiah chapter 14 Go back to the King James now. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 9. I'm just giving all scriptures. Then we talk about this and pray. Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 9. To kill with the sword. To kill with hunger. To kill with... With diseases. To kill with the beast of the field. That means anytime a man falls sick the process of death has been initiated. It doesn't matter what the sickness is. At least no medical science tells us because your cells are being destroyed, isn't it? Where's the maker? The body cells are being and it's the unit of life. So if cells die, tissues will die. If tissues die, 
organ will die. If organs die, system will die. If system dies, so you see that the moment disease set in, you have already started the journey to the grave. <laughs> Doesn't matter how simple it is. We are demystifying these things so that we reject every nonsense that Satan sends our way. We must be fruitful on every side. Our finances cannot do well and we die the next day. What use is that? Look at Isaiah chapter 14. Hell from beneath, that's the grave. The grave from beneath is moved for thee. He's talking to a man. He said, hell from beneath is moved for thee. To meet thee at thy coming. It stared up the dead for thee. Even all the chief ones of the earth. It has raised up from their thrones all the kings of the nations. So this is how powerful the grave is. Songs of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 6. He said, love is as strong as death and jealousy as cruel as the grave. That means that the grave is very cruel, merciless in his dealings with the sons of men. Ah. Are we being blessed tonight? Find ourselves. You've heard many stories of a man driving on the road and then you are driving and suddenly you see an old woman in the middle of the road and in the name of swerving from the road the man who swerved to save that old woman enters a ditch and dies only for the people to discover that there was no old woman anywhere that old woman seen on the road is the spirit of the grave I remember driving to Joss years ago and myself and my wife I think Jed was born at that time were moving, were just gisting suddenly I saw an old woman in the middle of the road doing what? <laughs> you always find them in a place where it is so tight that any swerving from the road is dead for you any swerving from the road is the spirit of the grave he said hell from beneath has come to meet thee and the assignment is to invite you like one who can raise the dead the dead is raising life into death but there is victory that is why we sang that song victory belongs to Jesus Say, for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith. Hallelujah. Death and the grave are inseparable partners. Death kills. The grave destroys. It's the grave that keeps. Death is only a gateway to the grave. You know, Jesus was speaking in John chapter 10. He said, The thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and destroy. So he is talking about these three partners. Did you notice when death was first introduced to the life of man? It was Satan that came first as a serpent, right? And then he began to talk with the woman to make the woman do certain things that will make the ground favorable for the spirit of death to come. Remember, God said the day you eat, you shall surely die. So the moment the serpent was able to beguile the woman and both of them fell, suddenly death walked in. And with death is the grave. So the partner Satan comes to do the deceit. 
death comes to kill, the grave comes to destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that they may have life and have it abundantly. 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 One of the ways this spirit, remember that death and the grave are spirits we have established that. And we also know that according to the law of territory, a spirit cannot do anything on earth without possessing the body. So that means that if the spirit of death and the grave must perform their desires on earth, they need partners. I'm going to show you how these partners work in scriptures. Because many of us are victims. Remember that the one who ride that horse, his name is death and the grave followed. And then power was given them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, violence. To kill with hunger, famine. To kill with pestilence or disease. To kill with the beast of the field. So, these are their manifestations on earth. But how do they do this? Isaiah chapter 28. I'm going to show some of us the mystery behind certain loved ones, uncles in the family that swear and it looks as if there is no God who can look at them. A man dies and another man stands up and imagine a man kills his brother, kills the brother's wife and is bold to tell the children I'm responsible. What exactly is that man standing upon? Look at what they are standing upon. Verse 15. Verse 15, Isaiah chapter 28. So there are men this is God talking to them. There was something they did and God was going to declare judgment and the men responded to God. They said, if it is death you want to use to kill us, there is something we have done. He said, because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death. We had a meeting with death and we had an agreement. Can we have it in the NIV? We have made a covenant with death. Okay. You boast we have entered into a covenant with death with the grave we have made an agreement so we had a meeting with this strange spirit and our agreement is that as long as we become gateways through which men leave the earth to the realm of the dead there is nothing death can do to us so they can kill a man they can kill his wife kill the children take them to court it's as if they are invisible why because the spirit of death is partnering with them. This is the mystery behind violence and crisis. Suddenly death, the grave is licking its mouth and he's saying, I need to eat. I need to take people. And then the men with whom they have entered covenant, the people directly involved in the violence are only puppets that are being manipulated. There are men who are gateways and their assignment is to partner with death and the grave. If you understand this, you will not treat that uncle that is boasting. I remember talking to a lady here. Their father died and the land that the father left for them. The man came with all... When a man begins to boast like that, the first thing to do is just leave the man first and go to the secret place. No man boasts on nothing. He said, we have made a covenant with death. With the grave, we have made an agreement. 
And look at what they said. They say, when an overwhelming scourge sweeps by, it can carry every other person, but it cannot touch us. Can you imagine men speaking like this? With such audacity, it was not a prophet they were talking to. They were talking to the almighty God. The one who created the spirit called the spirit of death in the first place. How can men be so audacious? He said, when it comes, it shall not touch us. For we have made a lie our refuge and falsehood our hiding place. Verse 18. Let's hear God's response to them. <laughs> Verse 18. Your covenant with death will be annulled. <laughs> I can veto that covenant. Because both you and the death with whom you have entered covenant were created by me. I am the father of spirit. He said you can boast that you have made covenant. But I am the God almighty. Your covenant with death shall be, shall be annulled. And then he said your agreement with the grave shall not stand. We are here to pray tonight because we will be annulling some covenants. Leave the men handle the covenant first. Your covenant with death shall be annulled. Said your agreement with the grave shall not stand. And he signed his signature, saith the Lord of hosts. <laughs> saith the Lord of hosts. Victory indeed belongs to Jesus. So when the overwhelming scourge shall pass through, then ye shall be trodden down by it. Shall not stand. Because I am God. I am God. I am God. And then in verse 21, look at, okay, let's read this verse. Your agreement with the grave shall not stand. When the overwhelming scourge sweeps by, you will be beaten down by it. Go to verse 21. The Lord will rise up as he did at Mount Perazim. He will rouse himself as in the valley of Gibeon. Why? To do his work. <laughs> his strange work and perform his task. His alien task. That which has never been seen. I don't care who the person is and whatever covenant they stand upon to make boastful statement. Except Jehovah, the Lord Sabaoth, is no longer on the throne. This is when their boastful statement will stand. He said, I will rouse myself. I'm not waiting for any man to rouse me. You boast at me that I've made the covenant with death. Let me show you that I'm God. Let me show you. For who can stand against the Lord? No one can. No one will. Who can stand against the King? No one can. No one will. Oh, oh, victory belongs to Jesus. Victory belongs to. Oh, 
for a moment. Why are we so confident? What gives us such assurance that this victory has been won? Revelations chapter 1 and verse 18. Revelations 1 and verse 18. He said, I am he that is alive. I was dead and now I live forever. I am the living one. I was dead and behold, I'm alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys. I hold the keys. I hold the keys. Forget about the bragging of death and the grave. The keys are with me. I hold the keys. I determine the boundaries of the oppression. He said, he that let it will let until he's taken out of the way. Death and the grave are not so powerful. The keys are with me. And watch this. He said, I am the living one. That means I've always been alive. The Amplified says, eternal and whatever. I've always been alive, but there is a reason why I died. Remember Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14 says that oh, because the children were flesh and blood, he also partook of their flesh and blood that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. Through death. How can you destroy death by dying? You know why? Because death had been killing people. The day death tasted life, death died. Death was killing. He will kill this one. He will kill this one. And then Jesus says, I am the living one. I am the almighty. I am the word of God. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. And that word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And then one day, the word came and said, Death, you have been killing people. I have volunteered myself. Eat me. And death foolishly opened his mouth to test life. That day, death died. And they were plotting. Apostle has taught us of the hidden mysteries, hidden wisdom, which was reserved for our glory. He said, had they known, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. And then they were plotting and death was falling into their trap. They were happy because they thought their plans was working. They were planning. He went to Golgotha, climbed the cross, breathed his last, and he didn't just die. He went to the grave and he said, oh, death, where is thy sting? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? For the sting of death is the law. Now Christ has redeemed us from the cost of the law. Be made a cross for us. As it is written, cost is everyone that hangeth upon the tree. That the blessing of Abraham. He partook of their flesh and blood. That through death, he might destroy him that has the power of death. For this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. When you hear some of us speak with boldness about death, it's not bold face. We have seen the nakedness of death. Yes. 
said I hold the keys of death and the keys of the grave they are in my hand I close it at will I shut it at will are you aware that everything Jesus received was received for us that means if Jesus holds the key that means I hold the key he gave me the key I can shut the mouth of the grave at will I can shut it and we are here tonight to shut the mouth of the grave yes you can shut it for whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world the last person who died mysteriously in your family is the last person that will die that way a few mysteries that have been made available for us that we can use the number one is the mystery of the holy communion the mystery of the holy communion I didn't just say the blood the mystery of the holy communion Hebrews chapter 9 remember in John chapter 10 verse 10 where I quoted Jesus said the reason I came is that you may have life right that means my will is that you have life Thank God we have lawyers scattered about here. There is something called the will of a man, isn't it? They write and then ratified by some legal whatever and sealed. The will is a demonstration of what the children, the heirs are supposed to get, isn't it? So, and Jesus is saying, my will is that you have life. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 15. I show you a mystery tonight. for this cause is he the mediator of the new will the new testament and for this cause he is the mediator of the new testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament they which are called might receive the promise of an inheritance for how long for where a testament is there must also of necessity be the death of the testator hold on let me explain what this means if a man writes his will as long as that man is alive the will cannot be implemented isn't it so that means that for the man's will to be implemented the man has to die this is what the Bible is saying that Jesus is the mediator of a new testament that there are certain things that have been written that must happen to the believers one being extraordinary fruitfulness and the Bible is saying that for that will to be implemented it said there must also of necessity be the death of the one that made the will be the death so that means that if I want to implement my father's will, I have to go with a death certificate to verify that my father has died. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. First Corinthians chapter 11. Read from verse 24. Please give me verse 24. The time is spent, we need to pray. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take it. This is my body which is broken for you. He said, This do in remembrance of me. Verse 25. 
after the same manner also he took the cup and when he had stopped also saying this cup is the new testament in my blood this do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me now verse 26 can we shout it together for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup you are presenting the death certificate of Jesus. If I can show his death certificate, then his will can be implemented. If Satan wants his will over my life to be implemented, then let him die. He said, I have the power to lay it down and then to pick it up again. Why should I be blessed? Why should I be alive? I don't need to answer Satan. I take the bread, I take the cup, and as I partake of that, it's a message to hell. You know what is written in the will. You don't need to make too many statements. The communion is not just a religious ritual. The communion is the death certificate, a proof, a demonstration that Jesus died. And if Jesus died, then I can have life and have it abundantly. Now that you know this, you won't take the communion carelessly anymore. I don't joke with it. He calls it the cup of the blessing. The cup of the blessing. I don't need to pray too long. I don't need four hours prayer. All I need is the communion. He said, as often, as often, as often. So anytime Satan questions the validity of your staying alive, Anytime Satan questions the validity of your being blessed, anytime Satan questions the validity of your of your being prosperous, just carry the bread and the cup. That's all. <laughs> he said, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death. And he said, You do this till he comes. The mystery of the communion. victory over the spirit of the grave you shut the mouth of the grave by the communion we saw that happen in Egypt when I see the blood I will pass over a lot of believers have suffered we have suffered in the hands of these spirits called death and the grave too long it looks as if Christ died for nothing no, he died for something this is why God is bringing us intelligence remember that the state of your mind he said God has not given you the spirit of fear but of love, power and of a sound mind, what we are doing is we are recalibrating the mind to come to that point that we will look at fear in the eyes and say fear come and fear says no, I cannot come hallelujah that's the number one key, the communion the communion the communion the second key is light light from the word illumination we can't overemphasize this in the book of psalm number 13 and verse 3 the psalmist was praying he said lighten my eyes lest i sleep in death there is a level of spiritual darkness a man can have 
he said consider and hear me oh lord my god lighten my eyes lest i sleep the sleep of death there is a sleep called the sleep of death and the psalmist is saying that if you don't shine your light upon my eyes this is my destination prayer point cannot prevent this lighten my eyes lest i sleep the sleep of death in him was life and the life was the light of men and that light shines in the darkness and the darkness is even trying to understand the light until your light so shine the destination might be the sleep of death what does it mean to have light apostle has taught us in this place not just the letters of the word that you may be able to look at this word and then what others are not seeing you are seeing it is like a word written to you is no longer sealed you saw why john was crying when that book was sealed when the seal is broken you begin to see line upon line precept upon precept a little here a little there at that time you have something that you can work with it's not just having a head knowledge of scripture but a knowledge that can be used through knowledge shall the just be For example, let's look at some lights concerning the spirit of the grave. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Job chapter 5, verse 19. Remember the horse rider, the name is death, right? And the grave followed. And they kill with what? The sword. They kill with hunger. They kill with disease. They kill with the beast of the field. Job chapter 5 verse 19 he shall deliver thee in six troubles yea in seven there shall no evil touch thee let's look at the troubles and the results in famine remember there is famine there in famine he shall redeem thee from death that means the destination of famine is actually death all the economic hardship is actually a pathway to death but there must be something you can know. He said, in famine he shall redeem thee from death. And in war, the sword, in war from the power of the sword. Verse 21. Thou shalt be hid from the scourge of the tongue. Neither shalt thou be afraid of destruction when he cometh. 22. At destruction and famine thou shalt... At destruction and famine thou shalt laugh neither shall thou be afraid of the beasts of the earth why 23 we are reading down to 26 for thou shalt be in league in covenant with the stones of the field and the beast of the field shall be at peace with thee 24 and thou shalt know that thy tabernacle shall be in peace and thou shalt visit thy habitation and shall not sin verse 25 Thou shalt know also that thy seed shall be great and thine offspring as the grass of the earth. 26, the last verse. Thou shalt come to thy grave in... He didn't say in long age. Full age means everything that ought to be in your life at that time was in your life. Thou shalt come to thy grave in full age like as a shock of corn cometh in his season. Light 
So when Satan comes to deceive you, you tell him this. Have you not seen this in your voyage through the world? Are you no longer the light bearer that was in heaven? You should have come across this. And the moment Satan knows you know this, he will leave you alone. How about Isaiah chapter 54? From verse 15. He said, they shall take counsel, it shall not stand, right? And then in verse, verse 16 or thereabout, you know the 17 is the verse we always quote, no weapon, fashion, okay. Behold, they shall surely gather together, but not by me. Whosoever shall gather against thee shall fall for thy sake. Verse 16. He said, Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work and I have created the waster to destroy. Hold on. God is about to make a statement and he's reading his CV for you. He said, If they are going to use a sword against you, the smith that blows the coal that makes it, I created him. And even the raw materials he uses to make his coal, I created that thing also. On the strength of this, I declare verse 17, no weapon fashioned against you shall prosper. No weapon. I am not saying this just for you to have faith. I am saying this because the person making the weapon was made by me. Light. When you know this, you will sleep peacefully. Peacefully, 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 ah, peacefully, light, light. There are several others, but for the sake of time, ah, do you know that in Deuteronomy chapter 30 and verse 19, Moses was speaking, he said, I place before you life and death, and he says, choose life. Brothers and sisters, death is a choice. <laughs> Remember Revelation chapter 6. He said power was given to them over one quarter. That means there is another three quarter over whom they didn't have power. You can choose to be among the one quarter and you can choose to be among the three quarter. As for me and my house, we have chosen. We chose life. He said, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 18, 21. He said, they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Choose life. You can choose. Everybody who dies, dies by choice. The choice can be conscious or subconscious. Death is a choice. I've seen it. Jesus, the life, said, behold, I stand at the door. Of your heart and I'm knocking. I am life. I want to give you life. But I cannot usurp on your will and just come in like that. So if life can knock, then death should knock also. And if death knocks, I have the right to open or not open. Light. Light. Death and the grave should take permission. They can't just come and take anything like that. No. So that's the second key. The first is the mystery of the communion. The second is that you labor to get light from the world. But the third is one very salient but powerful key. Love for the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters, any man who loves the body of Christ 
has left the grip of death. 1 John chapter 3 verse 14. 1 John chapter 3 verse 14. And then you can write 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 29 and 30. It said, for this cause many are weak, many sleep. Many are dead. They won't sleep there. Is new. Many are dead. And he said, the reason is not discerning the body. 1 John 3 verse 14. We know that we have passed from death unto life. Why? Because we love the brethren. So if I come to the point that I love the body as I ought to, the Bible says that you have automatically transited from death unto life. Do you know that anybody who hates any part of the body of Christ is like a man committing suicide because you are part of that body? No man can hate his body. The Bible says we are members of his body. We have been baptized into one body, isn't it? So that means that if I hate another person or another part of the body, it's like the hand carrying knife and say that I don't like the neck and decide to cut off the neck. Will the hand be alive? One very easy way to go to the grave is hating the body of Christ. That's number three. Then number four, which is the last, and then we'll pray. Job chapter 33, verse 18. Job 33, verse 18. Are you being blessed tonight? Because we'll pray shortly. Job 33, verse 18. Now, this was a very strange prophet called Elihu that was speaking. Remember the story of Job. Job was a man that God himself said there was none like him in all the earth. A conversation went on between God and Job and then Satan began to cross-examine Job. And the Bible says when Job's predicament happened, he lost his children, lost his fortune and then Job tore his clothes, sat in ashes, put sackcloth upon himself. And the Bible says, three friends came to see Job. When you hear the renditions of Job, he was talking about how that in the days of his youth, when the mysteries of God were upon his tabernacle, he began to talk about how that he takes his place among the elders at the gate. He said, the young see me and they keep quiet. He said, the noble, their tongues cleave to the roof of their mouth. Job was a man of wisdom. The man we can say had the revelation at that time. But Job is now in trouble. And the apex of his revelation could not bring him out of it. And then the people who were in the same class with Job, his friends, the Bible says they came and for many days they couldn't see anything. Then suddenly every one of them began to draw from the archives of their wisdom. But the Bible says none of them could make any sense. God was waiting to visit Job. God was waiting to bring Job out of his predicament. But God cannot just interfere on earth until there is a man who aligns sufficiently to be able to speak forth the counsel of God on the strength of which God can visit and bring redemption. And then Eliphaz was speaking. God will listen. He's not making sense. The other one God listens. He's not making sense. Then suddenly, in chapter 32, a young man said, I have been listening. I thought age should speak. 
multitude of years should teach wisdom but I realize that there is a spirit in man and the breath of the almighty the inspiration of the almighty giveth men understanding he said now you have talked but now allow me to talk and then from chapter 32 Elihu began to speak and he came to chapter 33 and verse 18 he began to show Job a mystery he said Job where you are right now your understanding cannot bring you you need the ministry a prophetic ministry that can bring you out of it and hear what Elihu said he kept back his soul from the pit and his life from perishing by the sword. 19. He is chastened also with pain upon his bed and the multitude of his bones with strong pain. Yes? So that his life abhorred bread and his soul dainty meat. Yes? Next verse. His flesh is consumed away that it cannot be seen and his bones that were not seen stick out. Now he's describing the predicament of a man. Verse 23, 22 now. Yea, his soul draweth near unto the. That means for every time this predicament was happening, the man was getting close. I told you that sickness is the initial process of death. In Isaiah chapter 38 and verse 10, the story of Hezekiah. The Bible says that Hezekiah was sick and the Lord sent Isaiah to go and tell him you are going to die. When Hezekiah, after his recovery from verse 9, was talking about his sickness, he said, I was going to the gates of the grave. A man was sick and he said, I saw myself heading for the gates of the grave. This is what Elihu is saying. He said, if an intervention does not happen, this man called Job will die. And then he said his life to the destroyers. 23. If there be if there be the only thing that can stop this man from ending up in the grave is if a messenger shows up and this messenger is coming as an interpreter. The interpretation is not just making you understand the situation. The interpretation has in it an ability to give you life. What is happening tonight is an interpretation. He said, if there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand to show unto man his uprightness. 24. What will happen to that man? 24. Then, he is gracious, that's God now, unto him. And saith, deliver him from going down to the grave. I have found a ransom. I have found a ransom. 25, the last verse. Then we will pray. His flesh shall be fresher than the child's by the ministry of that interpreter. So, some of us are in situations that could have ended if only the messenger, the interpreter, can show. He shall return to the days of his youth. If these keys that I just gave you are consistently engaged in your life, by the grace of God we have an interpreter in this house. His name is Apostle Joshua Selman. And by privilege of association, by privilege of sonship, we stand upon his covenant with the Lord God Almighty. 
to bring that interpretation tonight we are stopping the journey of some people to the grave you have been moving maybe you or your loved ones tonight marks an end no more no more death no more devouring by the grave enough is enough enough is enough enough is enough rise on your feet let us pray we evoke the mystery of the body and the blood in Makosa Keta Kosa Lakamba Teka Suka Lekete. We evoke the mystery of the body and the blood, the mystery of the cup of the blessing. Shakan the Kosa Kata Lekete Kapakato Shanka Dakata Lakapo Zakuta Kepa Lakato Zambragan de Kosuka Leketa Kosa Keta Shanka Tekete we want the blood we want the blood we fortify our brothers by the mystery of the body and the blood shake take a take la manta dose kata shake take a pop santa dose kata balanza che sacuta like Jesus, Jesus. In Jesus' name. Psalm 91 and verse 5. Thou shalt not be afraid of the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flyeth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasted at noonday. 
he said a thousand shall fall at thy side ten thousand at thy right hand but it shall not come nigh thee can you enforce your exemption right in the name of Jesus I am part of the eternal covenant in the blood of Jesus a thousand shall fall by my side ten thousand by my right side but it shall not come near me he said only with your eyes shall you see and behold the reward of the wicked I am not the wicked and the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flyeth by day. You shall not be afraid for the pestilence that walketh in darkness. You shall not be afraid for the destruction that wasted at noonday. A thousand shall fall by your side, ten thousand by your right side. Not me, my case is different. My case is different. My case is different. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the elections are here, and a lot of people are afraid, but not after you have heard this thing. Not after you have heard this thing. We are going to pray for Nigeria in a moment. We fortify the borders of Nigeria and we command the spirit of death and the grave to vanish out of Nigeria. Vanish out of Nigeria. We stand as sons and daughters of light. We take authority over the gates of Nigeria. We fortify the borders of Nigeria. We fortify the borders of Zaria. We fortify the borders of Kaduna State. Maleko Sikata. All the 36 states and the federal capital territory, Malanga Bosa, Shekosa Kepa, we bind the spirit of death. We come against you by the blood of Jesus. We come against you by the mission of the blood and the body. Shagamba Tosaketa, Lekete, Makando Sekata, Sheka, Bakusa, Ida Tosakata, Balante Kete, Kato, Banka Katada, the Kete, Zeketose Kaponda Sekata. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Our time is spent. He said, In there be a messenger, an interpreter, one in a thousand. That means they are not very common, they are scarce. And tonight, by the election of grace and by the mandate of our Father, I step into that apostolic shoe of our Father tonight and I stretch my hand. As that messenger sent of God, I stretch my hands over everyone hearing my voice. Inside, outside, online. Makate Kosikata. Shekendo Kapa.
Whoever has been under the scourge of the spirit of death and the grave, I bring you out tonight. Come out of that grave. Come out right now. In the name of Jesus, I command the gate be open. I command the grave be open. Shakao Pratosakata. The Bible said, I'm still praying. In Matthew chapter 57, when you read from verse 46 upward, that Jesus was on the cross about to die, and then he shouted, Eli, Eli, Lamassa, Bartani. And then the people said, He's calling Elijah. And the next minute, the Bible says, When he cried with a loud voice, nobody around there could record what he said. They recorded every other thing he said, but that last cry. They could not interpret it but it was a message to the gates of the grave the bible says immediately he made that cry and he gave up the ghost the bible says the graves began to open and men that were dead came alive in the name of jesus i give that prophetic cry let the graves be opened we thank you Shandeko posokotala kapaya Lembeketosi katoshka Blankatosa kepala katoshka Shandeketei kafonde kasukata shouted he made a loud cry then the curtain in the temple heard what was said and tore into two the people did not hear but the graves heard graves have ears and they can hear can we give that prophetic shout in a moment because we are still praying we are still praying for many people that visitation will not happen again the count of three, Shakosa, Lenke Tekato, Sakapakato, Saketa, Lenke Tekato, Sheko, 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 Thank you, Jesus. Thank you because we will never be afraid of death and the grave another day again. Thank you. By this light you have brought, we have been permanently delivered. In the name of Jesus. Everything I said is only for those who are in Christ Jesus. The blood is only important if a man has accepted that sacrifice. You are in the first overflow, second overflow, the third overflow, or you are following us online 
and you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, as wonderful as the things we shared may sound, they may not have any effect in your life. Or maybe you gave your heart to Jesus at one point and for whatever reason, you are no longer sure of your salvation status anymore. It's time to, to make it right with God. Inside, overflow one, overflow two. I want you to make your way to the front here. You are saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Christ. I've been buffeted by this spirit. My family has been buffeted by this spirit. But right now, light has come. And I want this to become the reality of my family. You want to give your heart to Jesus. Wherever you are, inside here, overflow one, overflow two. You can make your way to the front here. For the sake of time, overflow three, you can move to your projector stand. Please put your hands together for them as they come. Someone wants to make it right with Jesus. Keep clapping. If you are coming, make it fast. In the name of Jesus, keep clapping. Don't be ashamed. My friend will laugh at me. That is why you must leave them. You are coming to receive eternal life. We are still waiting for you. There must be people saying yes to Jesus. There must be people saying yes to Jesus. There must be people coming into this eternal covenant. They are saying, I am escaping from death unto life. So for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish. He said, God has given us eternal life in his son Jesus. Keep clapping. There are many people coming to give their hearts to Jesus. Celebrate them as they come to become partakers of his flesh and of his bone. His life has been given for us. They are still coming. Keep clapping. We will wait for you. We celebrate you. We welcome you into the fold. We welcome you into the family of faith. We welcome you. If you are still coming, make it fast. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. My brothers and my sisters, I congratulate you for this step that you have taken tonight. Whether you are giving your life to Christ for the first time or you are rededicating your life to the Lord Jesus, I congratulate you. What you just did, you have passed from death unto life. Bible says God has given us eternal life and that life is in his son. There is no sure way to escape the grip of death and the grave than to be hidden in Jesus. I congratulate you. So you will close your eyes, lift your right hand and say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, tonight I come to you. I receive you into my life as my Lord and my Savior. Cancel my name from the book of death. Write my name in your book of life. I receive eternal life into my spirit. Thank you, I'm born again. In Jesus' name. I stretch my hands towards you in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, as many as received him, he gave them the power to become sons of God. Even to, even to as many that believed on his name. I pray in the name of Jesus that that son should be impacted unto you. In the name of Jesus, receive eternal life. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Please, I want you to follow the person waving her hands. There's a young lady. Just look behind you. There's a young lady waving her hands. They will appraise you. Take your details so that we can pray for you. Please celebrate them as they go. Hallelujah. Can we receive Pastor Ejimi? Celebrate Pastor Ejimi. 
I think we can celebrate the grace of God upon Pastor Alpha's life. This is a very timely and anointed word, especially as we approach into the season of elections. Amen. How many of you are going to restock on communion elements this week? A communion a day keeps the grave away. <laughs> Amen. So if anybody comes around you and is spreading rumor, they are fighting here or there is crisis here, just give him one. Say, calm down. Eat this one first. Let's celebrate Pastor Alpha once again. We believe you are mightily blessed. To connect with the ministry and get more from Apostle Joshua Selman, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Koinonia ENI to stream Koinonia Live. Go to mixler.com forward slash and download the teachings on coinoniersermons.org. For questions and inquiries, call 0814-721-4444 or 0906-2500.